God. It's so late. And we finally are not going to talk about this anymore. I mean, we're about to talk about it a whole lot. Pour the whiskey. We'll put up a picture at some point of the glasses we're drinking out of, but it is uh, a fine whiskey out of a Stormtrooper Carif in Stormtrooper whiskey glasses. Ooh. Hold on. I want you pour. I don't want to muddy the audio. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Enough for you? More? That's fine. That's going to be plenty. I don't want to get wasted during this. These are these uh whiskey glasses are the sizes of size of mason jars for anybody who's wondering. They're not. No, they're not. We'll show you guys what they look like. They were sent to us as a gift, and they're fantastic gift that we only get on special occasions, and this is a special occasion, because we don't have to watch Rogue One anymore. Clink. Let <laughs> me take a drink. That's whiskey. That's real whiskey right there. Okay, I want to see if I can change this so I know how long we're going. Oh, it's not going to let me. Whatever, I'll just keep track of it. Um, I have a surprise for you because it's our last episode. Okay. Okay. I'm excited. I did something. Oh, no. I'm not excited anymore. I have a soundboard. Oh, great. That's... Man. And then and This is a good one. Just in time for the end of the series, we now have the official Star Wars sound. All the sounds that you heard me edit in <laughs> in post afterwards, I can now play regular. And also, here's my, so we got the TIE Fighters, right? Right? Uh-huh. Okay, but here's my favorite one. <laughs> Perfect. And look, I can make a scene happen. Hey, we're just having a thing. Oh, God, TIE Fighters! R2! <laughs> Chewie, no! He's burning in the fire! Okay. That's literally all I no, have for the soundboard. That... I'm not I'm not gonna be able to use it while we're talking, I assume. I uh, but it's there. you not to. That's what I was doing earlier when I was oh. taking time in the office. I was trying to figure out how you to treasure. put Star Wars sound effects onto a MIDI keyboard. So now I have that. Awesome. So anyway. We're done. We're we watched done. we watched the entire movie again and I seriously after watching it we kind of live our lives watching the same movies over and over like we enjoy watch, returning to movies and uh-huh. watching them again. Like how many times have we seen Scream 2? I mean at least 5. Too right? many to count. Oh. This one and Star Wars has to be on the top of the pack just like Lord of the Rings for us. I don't think I want to see this movie ever again. I really don't think I ever want to watch it again. Like, it'll be one that if somebody's like, hey, we're going to watch a movie. Do you want to watch Rogue One? I'll be like, can we put on something else? Like any other Star Wars movie. I don't Um, think I want to see it anymore. If we are indeed getting a a Cassian. Oh, we are. The trailer's out. (sighs) Okay, so. We're late on that. As as the recording that was announced like a month ago. Suck my dick. Um, if we are getting a Cassian show, and I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt, I'll give it the rather benefit. than I'm going. I'm like, I really love the Mandalorian, and while no. I agree with you that I really yeah. don't want, I want 
you said, what was it? Stay out of the lane. Oh, just stay. Yeah, just lean away from the lane of the Mandalorian. But if you're gonna I make do a Star want Wars other show. Star Wars content, and I do want oh, daring yeah. Star Wars content. And Cassian was a good idea of, of a character, whether or not I actually liked. Him. Yeah, we did a whole episode yeah. where we were like, yeah, you can expound on this character and make him an so interesting maybe, you know, um, rebel. So maybe I will go back and watch the movie after the Cassian show, if the Cassian show is good. Yeah, that's possible, I guess. Because I, I do mean, think... Go ahead. I, I was going to say I plan on reading Catalyst at some point, and that'll probably make me like the movie more. Do you think... Maybe. Is I it mean, possible for, for outside information on this movie at this point to make you like it better? It's possible for any movie, so I can't hold this movie to such a low standard that it wouldn't do the same, because like that's been the way for you know the prequels. There's a lot of interesting uh, extended universe stuff. Um expanded universe stuff about the prequel universe mm-hmm. uh, and Qui-Gon Jinn and stuff they're like I like the prequels fair enough you know I saw them when I was kid when I was a kid just like the rest of these movies so I don't hate them that much um extra information about them makes me like them more because I'm mm-hmm. like oh yeah that's the that weird alien that only got one frame of episode two uh he had a really cool expanded universe story or like even IG 88, right? Like that character's not even in the movie. He's just like one shot in uh, empire strikes back and there's been total spinoff. And now he's like sort of been reborn in IG 11. Not that he's the same character. Leave me alone nerds. Um, so I could see reading catalyst and be like, damn, this is a good book. And then watching the movie again and being like, yeah, this, that adds something to it. It's better. But I, have maintained and said it before in multiple episodes that like I don't count that towards the movie right I don't think that that's fair I do think it it can improve upon it I think I've said that before too it's just that I'm in judging this film I'm not like well I really should have read Catalyst first it's like come on man what am I supposed to play Witcher 1, 2, and 3 before I watch the show or can I just watch the fucking show you know what I mean right come on so uh yeah, I think so. I would return to... If somebody put this on, I would watch it. I could even see getting drunk enough to put it back on and make fun of it again. But man, it's two hours and 13 minutes and we've now seen movie. it. We've seen it quite a few. I mean, we've seen it more than we've seen some Star Wars movies that I like a lot oh, yeah. better. We've After, seen it more than we've seen Solo. We've seen it more than we've seen... Um, probably more than The Last Jedi. Yeah, more than we've, we've seen, seen The Last Jedi. Times. I love that fucking movie. I haven't seen it more Guess than I've what? seen the original trilogy, but I've seen it more no. than I've seen maybe episode three. Maybe I think, episode three. Definitely more than episode two, but that's not like the bar's not high there. I think, to- and we're going to get into the episode, but I think total runtime, Lord of the Rings has beaten uh, Return of the Jedi for me because we've watched the extended editions, I think, three times now. So just in terms of sheer runtime. I must have the seen that it more, takes to get through them. but I've watched maybe not because I watched Return of the Jedi like all the time as a kid. I've I've probably seen that, no joke, approximately three thousand seven hundred twenty, like twenty eight times or something like that. Mm-hmm. Crazy. All right, so let's get into this episode. This is the last episode of our podcast. If you don't know what it's called by now, I mean, come on. Um, and we're going to be covering the climax of the show that we're pitching and the movie and our thoughts on it. And then I guess we can give our final thoughts, even though we sort of just did, but we could wrap it up. Um, you wanted to start this with a starting with my final thoughts. Okay. Give me, give me your final thoughts. I'm going to take a shot of whiskey. Or, or I just feel like my, my thoughts are so vague 
compared to what I know yours are going to be that it may as well be just considered my final thoughts. Um, okay. Okay. So watching it tonight, um, we watched the whole thing. The whole thing. But it was only right. We so it took us so long to do this. Like we've done this over the course of three years now. I think we've been working. I think on this two. Two years. I think two. It's been a long time. When did Rogue One come out? Um. Oh God. Twenty fifteen. And no, we were bitching earlier. about it. Shit. I, think, I don't know. I, I'm, we've. How do I not know? It didn't know. It it came out before we got. It came out after we got married. So it would have been after 2015. So 2016. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's 2016. Beginning of uh yeah, 2016. So we've been we've been working on this for a while because we we got we decided to do it within I'm I'm, I'm I digress. It doesn't no, matter. No, please. Go on. But when we first our big gripe that we kept on coming back to and the reason we decided to do this this pompous, arrogant, you know, nitpicky, pedantic yeah. podcast that we've done. Right has been not that the movie was so beyond repair or that the concept of the movie was so right. beyond repair that it wasn't a good movie. We were mm. bothered because we'd been given a good elevator pitch. Yeah. And we'd been made some great promises and they didn't we felt like they couldn't follow through because of the format that they used to show it, which is right. this movie. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. I didn't realize because of how long it took us to do this and mm -hmm. because I really don't like going back to watch the movie. Um, but this whole time that we've been building like the structure of it, mm -hmm. well, we've been talking about here's how I would have done it, yeah. you know, to give it more time to let all these ideas bake longer. Um, I genuinely, genuinely felt like we were building up to the last, what amounted to the last like 30 minutes of the movie. And I realized only tonight as we were watching through it that with all of the material that we've covered we only had made it to the halfway point of the movie and now we're ready to do the yeah now we're ready to do the conclusion of it and right and what i at first i was like shit like everything we've done is a failure because like we like we didn't <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think all that's this time true. but what I, that's not so, true that's impossible but my takeaway from it as I was watching it was that in the last half of the, not the last half, the last third of the movie, mm -hmm. I was re-experiencing like the disappointment I felt at this, like the first time I watched it, mm. where I was like, there's a lot in here that should feel like a big emotional payoff. Right. There is so much that like, as I'm watching it, I'm actually kind of like, I was like, some of this is, is truly like touching and staggering like mm -hmm. uh when it, when like the whole sequence has started and like they're they're definitely gonna get blown up and like you see the death star peeking up over the top of stuff right when uh krennic sees the death star yeah, for the first time the we're talking about when they're in on uh scarif yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. i'm not like when the climax um, yeah but like when when uh bays and shirut yeah know, yeah when when, when shirut dies I was like that because like when I was watching it the first time, I was like, they did not, they, they spent, it was, they did not spend enough time setting this up. They didn't spend enough, like it, they were insultingly small on all these things that they used to yeah. build towards the end of it. But had they used all their time wisely, this last hour would have been really good. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we're in like 
in the previous episodes that we've done on this podcast, you and I have both like tried to add a whole bunch to it. There's not very much I would add to the to the last third of the movie. There are nitpicky things I have about it, but right. I kind of feel like they're like paper cuts compared to like the internal bleeding yeah. that most of the film had. There are like things where I'm like, well, that was silly or whatever. But for the most part. It's the best part of the film. Yeah. Like, spoiler alert: the climax isn't bad. No, the it's, climax it's and pretty pretty standard, if not bordering on like good. And I managed to actually be emotionally invested in a lot of it. I was like, this was the first time watching it where I actually kind of felt for Jin and Cassian while they were yeah, like yeah. on the on the beach. I was like, you know what? This is actually like I was getting what I imagine most people felt about it while they were watching it where they're like oh you know so so you know heavy they're like sitting War. there watching the blast come towards them and you did make me laugh while we were watching it tonight <laughs> which I was pissed about because I was like I finally felt something <laughs> um and then we got the ac- absolute masterpiece that was Darth Vader's scene like yeah which we talked about in the things we like episode which I imagine will air before this one we're dropping these all at once, which we've said before, which is why it's taken this long. I mean, imagine if we were releasing this podcast over the course of how long it took. Um, you'd get one episode every, like, seven months. So, yeah, you'll be able to breeze right through these. And, yeah, the Darth Vader scene is, like, there's probably one and a half minutes, not even. There's probably, like, 35 seconds after the Darth Vader scene concludes. Yeah. And I suppose it's necessary to, like, just kind of you know, put a bow on it, but and I wouldn't really... mind even that bow, which I, which both of us hated. No, I just mean first... once that scene's over, I this time around, especially since we've seen it, I think eight times now. Uh, I was just like, what is this fucking movie doing here? Can, can we just stop this movie? I mean, because like the Darth Vader scene ended. It's not like the, if that Darth Vader scene were in the middle of the movie, I'd be like, all right, shut it off. That's the best part. Like it's a monster fight in a Godzilla film. It's just like it's so good, and it destroys everybody and then it just cuts perfectly there's nothing wrong with that like three minutes and 15 seconds or however long the Darth Vader scene is and then it just cuts to somebody like walking down a rebel hall and because the movie is two hours and 13 minutes it just makes you feel like what (laughs) oh right okay 30 seconds and then we're out of here but it just it's just like okay come on let's get out of here let's let's wrap this up this movie is so long um which is funny that we want to make it longer (laughs) By making it a TV show. Well, our our idea, like... Oh, can our, I say something about TV show premise, by the way? When we started this podcast, uh-huh. which is like, you know, inside baseball, look behind the scene or whatever like that. When we started this podcast, Disney Plus didn't exist. That's true. So we deserve credit, first off. He's worth a lot to me. Okay, maybe not credit, but still. Like, that wasn't an idea that you could have. Of like doing, oh, what if you did a Star Wars TV show? Like a long-standing. I'm not positive that I like. I'm not comfortable. I'm not pretending like we, we were being... credit. I'm saying like, isn't that interesting? In the time that we've been talking about this becoming like a series-length TV show, not only did we get Disney Plus where they did a great uh, TV show, like drama but fun with the Mandalorian, but they have announced a TV show starring one of the characters of this these movies. Thank God that hasn't come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, this would just be like, yeah, you guys are describing Andor. Why haven't you? 
Have you been? Have you just not seen it yet? We're just sitting in a room watching Rogue One on repeat, being like, "They should make a TV show." You know, for it's like funny. Two seasons into Andor, so I just finished reading <laughs> this book called Into Thin Air, and I keep on thinking about the. Like, I, so I couldn't help as we were watching this movie and think and thinking about this podcast tonight. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Is this our Everest? Are we like the people yeah, we'll that never make it up?" Well, no. It's and it's if we die, worse. Leave there's us. there's a type of psychosis that people get when oh. they start getting close to the peak, like. People regularly go almost to the end. They almost get to the summit of Everest, mm. and then they're just like, I am strong enough to get to the top, but not strong enough to make it back down if I make it to the top. And smart people will turn around. Mm. Some people get, like, summit fever. Not us, they're, baby. They're like, we're not. <laughs> but, uh, so, Me and like, you keep going. We go to the top, and then we plummet over the other side. <laughs> We go to the top and then we strip our clothes off and sit on the ground staring yeah. at like this bleak television screen rewinding the same thing and people stand around us. They're like, you guys, the television's broken. The movie's not playing anymore. It's not we're, playing. Stop we're talking just, about Rogue One. We're just like, why did they have to do a computer graphics dark and against that? In the time it took us to make this series, a worse Star Wars movie has come out. <laughs> In the time it, they took, it took us to make this series, somebody discovered deep fake and now there's an actually oh acceptable version of Tarkin's uh, inserted scene. I don't think we recorded that. I think we just watched that and yelled. Like I, I yelled into a an empty room. But like, it, go online, look up Tarkin, deep fake, Rogue One, whatever. We watched it with Hollywood like the two so people stupid. that are probably going to listen to this podcast, and so they've already heard us scream I, about it. So, I, so I don't want to jump over your generalization. I want you to figure f- finish what you're saying. I just do want to say that like everybody has complaints about oh that that line is so hollywood oh this plot it's such a hollywood idea you know it's oh handsome guy saves girl whatever you know you know what i'm talking about there's like oh that's just a hollywood cliche man watching this movie again i just want to say it is so fucking unbearably hollywood and it's even more epitomized or you know it's even more shown by that deep fake technology where they're doing all this CG work to bring Peter Cushing back from the dead. And here's a dude who in like two hours just put Peter Cushing's face onto the actor and it looks a billion times better. And they did it for the Irishman and they did it for everything. And it's just like, dude, you guys are supposed to be on the forefront of technology. What the fuck is going on? I know it's almost like they didn't watch the people versus George Lucas. It's because industrial light and magic are geniuses at bringing fantasy sci-fi elements to life, but they've never actually seen another human being because they're nerds in a basement that have been working with plastic toys their entire careers. And God bless them because they brought those plastic toys to life like never before. But when it's supposed to bring a human being to the screen, they're like, ooh, what do those look like? Hello there. Um, I would say the climax is serviceable, and I actually enjoy yeah. it. I enjoy it. I have almost no big gripes with the climax other than Ooh. the main characters. Ah. Um, anything having to do with the main characters is just not nearly as interesting as the parts of the climax that I feel like were the parts that were, were like they embody the elevator pitch that you and I were after. It's dark, gritty, mm. Star Wars, like war in Star Wars. Mm. Like we're just watching things get blown up. We're seeing giant dog fights. Mm. We're seeing like action, Star Wars action, big, like big stuff, big booms. And I was like, that yes. is all cool. The, as always, the cinematography is like really beautiful. Like I could sit and look yeah. at, all of those scenes and like we I'm glad we have a book of the artwork for it 
Yeah. Because now I can just sit and look at the artwork and not ever have to watch the movie again. (laughs) We're just like hate buying art books for Oakland. That was a gift we got from. Yeah. Like I just, I think that the one, the one like bleeding wound for me was like they, they have their central cast. And if they had just found a different way to build, to like maintain the tension, because. It felt more like watching dominoes. Like they're just like we just all right. So we'll mm. use them as long as we need to, and then we kill them off. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're gonna talk about that for sure. Rather than having their deaths represent like an issue to the plan. Yes. You know, it's just like it's kind of like everybody knows that the Titanic sinks. Right. But you're still kind of holding your breath. Like you're just like maybe if yeah. I watch it as an 88th time, they'll get out of that alive. I think that's an excellent point in terms of like this being a war movie and how it needs to be portrayed better and can't imagine what it could have been like. I mean, we all watched Inglourious. The first time we saw Inglourious Bastards, we were all like... Yeah, but I mean, like, later later on, like, we'll watch it knowing, like, okay, it just goes completely off the rails. It doesn't matter. But for a while, you're like... Their plan still works, and ultimately, it doesn't affect anything. Like, it still happens. It's just not everybody gets out the way that they thought they were going to get out. Which is better. Right. But Whereas I'm, in this, it's what you were describing, where like every character is there to do something, they do it, and then they die. And that's just not real. Right. It, it feels completely unreal to an actual war movie, which is what they've set it up as. Whereas if it were a Star Wars movie, where like, you know, you set up in the first act that this guy is the best pilot well, you know he's going to be the pilot at the end of the movie that does the thing or whatever. It would have been more gritty, more realistic, and more tense, like you're saying. He's actually the exact person I'm thinking something of. Something had been foiled. Like, who, who are you thinking of? Um, what is the pilot's name? In this? Yeah. The pilot. He doesn't have a fucking name. You kidding me? I'm sure he has I don't has think they name. have a name. I don't, I don't remember I'm, them giving him a name. They, they oh, have- Bodie. Yeah. I remember it. <laughs> I was about to say they had they had Fuck, to you don't have a name. they had to sell a toy of him i'm positive he has a name um yeah, they Bodhi, had to sell two so Bodhi has a really dramatic death and i will give you the mic in just a second yeah, i'm right. just saying he oh, has a dramatic ahead. death that actually did again when we were watching tonight i was like i actually had like a little bit a little gasp yeah but not because i was like oh no their plan i was just like that was sudden and out of nowhere he the explodes. most sudden yeah, it would sure. have been more meaningful to the tension in the in the mm-hmm. film, I feel like, and again, I'm saying this out of my ass. I I have no, you know, but I mean, he right. if if his death had actually thwarted, if like he had been, if it'd been like, all right, all Bodhi's got to do is run and stick that thing in there. If he had yeah. then blown up before he could go and do what his actual job was, and then yes. it had been like, you know, uh, Shirut or Baze's job or the droid, uh, not the droid, I guess, because the droid was dying inside or whatever. But right, right, so, like. It would have actually, that would have made me be more invested. Like, even knowing right. they're all going to die, even knowing the plans get off of there, because we know how it ends. Yeah. Like, a good director knows how to make you go, like, I wonder if I'm watching fan fiction. Right. I, I agree. Anyway, I mean, I think so, Bodhi is, I agree with you, I think Bodhi is the best character, the way that they set up who needs to do what. His piece of it could be written so that his death foils it and somebody else has to set up the connection with the comms network or whatever to send the signal. Um, and it could have achieved that, but literally anybody, anybody yeah. not, ach- I know what they're setting up. It's like, uh, they're just ahead of the rug being pulled out from under them. Right. Yeah. Every character just barely finishes what they need to do. So that the next character f- 
just barely finish what they need to do. And like, that's supposed to keep the tension going, but it just happens like, like literally like four times in a row. And it just feels like, okay, everybody's going to do the thing and then they're going to die. And then that's it. I would like a little bit of variance in that. Maybe right. somebody dies before they succeed at the thing they're going to do. Um, I felt really bad this time for Mashi. I think his name is Mashi. He was the Irish sounding guy or Scottish sounding guy. Sorry, actor. Um, who they kept communicating with on the ground where they're like, you need to find uh-huh. the master switch. He has more lines than I remember. And he's like a really good soldier. And then they're pinned down when Chirut needs to flip the switch uh-huh. and they're like sending dudes out to go do it. And it cuts away to Jin and Cassian doing some shit. It cuts back and it's just a, a shot of dead Mashi. And I'm Surely like, Wimp Low. No, not Mashi. No. He died off screen. Like, oh man. And he died like not a foot away from the door. So you know he just stepped out and got shot in the head. And it's like, bummer. Why even show him? I guess just because the editor is like, wow. I mean, he was there and now he's not going to be there. We'll just have to show him. But, like, did you not shoot a scene where he steps out and gets shot? Like, how long could it have taken? But yet again, this is our our grievance with the whole film is that everything is too rushed and and we're not seeing it. Anyway, so so that was the end of my... That's the end of my my little bit there. Um, I think that the, 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 the last third of the movie doesn't need to be highly edited. It could, it would just be like, you take the bones of that, you turn it into an hour and a half long Mm. finale episode and just, you know, fix the nitpicky shit, which I expect you have some notes on. I've got some notes. I've got some things that we need to change about the climax and that I would change about the climax. Do you have a sound effect for like, when when I say like, you've, I've got some notes. Can you like drop the sound, like have the sound of like bricks hitting the floor or something to signify you taking all of your notes out and dropping them. Yeah, I got it right here. You have that? I got it right here. Where to begin? I'd like to take you back to the first act of the movie. Oh, boy. (laughs) This last episode will be four and a half hours long. Um, No, I just want to bring up... Well, I'll bring up some, some small stuff first. One... You and I both really fucking hate Stardust. Yeah. Not in not the movie with Robert De Niro. We That's both kind of have a soft spot. And I for like that. the book too. It's a goofy movie, but I kind of like it. Um no, the nickname Stardust. Mads Mikkelsen says it like uh just with the least amount of like it's the name of the poison that killed him. Yeah, he's Stardust. We caught something this time that would have been better. I think it's just like kind of a mild note to go back and write the third draft of our episodes. Um, at yeah, one point, she's talking. Thing again. She's talking to uh, Chirut when they are in Jeddah, and he says, "The strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba." Um, I'm imitating Donnie Yen, by the way. It's not racist. <laughs> it's just. Oh, oh, that then it's not racist. You know me. I have to quote it exactly how it came out of an actor's mouth. Um, he says that, and we kind of said this time, hey, that would have been cool if, like, her dad said that to her at some point. And it was a symbol of, like, whoa, my dad said that to him. Not to say that Chirut and he are in coots, but just that it's, like, an old saying that survived the fall of the Jedi and that kind of thing. And, oh, that's interesting. Now she's got the kyber crystal around her neck. Um, and it would foreshadow, as well as give us the ability to flash back to a scene where 
you described a nice scene. Why don't, why don't you say what you were talking about? My thought could be because we're doing all the this uh, set. We loved so much the planet that they were on in the beginning. In the beginning, yeah. Yeah, like of the movie. It was like the most beautiful part of the film, yeah. probably. Um, and we wanted to focus more on, you know, Jin's backstory there and her family's life there. If there had been some kind of a flashback at some point in this TV series where it was her and her dad or her and her mom, because we did kind of set it up so that her mom, at least the way that we've been talking about it, right. her mom would kind of be the one that had that relationship that mm-hmm. that gets focused on throughout the, the series. But anyway, um, just like a little survival trip where... Yeah. The mom and like little Jin, like teeny tiny, obviously, like she mm-hmm. was before they showed up and shot her parents, um, were out like in the in a field somewhere at night. And mom or dad is like pointing up and showing her the stars and showing her how to find her way mm-hmm. using the constellations. Mm-hmm. And then um, her mom has like picked a particular star and she's like, that star is the one that you always want to use you know kind of like the north star Mm -hmm. to tell directions by and the reason why it's so bright is because it's got a it's got a a core of kyber right Uh, you know like strongest uh, stars have hearts of kyber strongest like points yeah touches the necklace on her chest she's like that's why that's why you've got this here or whatever you know something like that something to remember and this is like sticks in her head or something nice and i also thought um i don't know if i'm saying this the right way but she could have like the the coordinates of that right. of, of like wherever that star is supposed to be located mm. and i thought that would be a good code name for the files the coordinate numbers the, the coordinate numbers of the star that she's using to like yeah that'd guide be... by and for because then they could have that whole thing where they're like standing at the desk and it's just like reading through the different files just like yeah, what is it? it's like black numbers, saber or dark saber or whatever saber, it is Pax you know Ultima. you know jar jar's the sith jar jar's dicks yeah jar jar's dick dick <laughs> <laughs> You saw have not Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then she just like she points out, she's like, there. And you know, like or or it's the name of the system that orbits around that right. star. Something or along those something. lines. Or even just I don't know. Like, I know I, I understand what they were trying to do with Stardust. They were trying to do with Stardust what we we're kind of criticizing the entire movie for not doing better, which is setting up reference like setting up emotional waypoints you know for people to lean on throughout it yeah. is just such a ham-fisted That's way the to thing, do it is that they say stardust 17 times in the fucking movie and then it's like stardust how do you know it's me and it's just it doesn't even matter if the audience gets it it's like at that point you beat them over the head with it they of course they get it you don't even need to have a code name you can just have that scene be if you want to save time and make sure the audience gets it you could just have them find the plans. Oh, here it is. It says Death Star plans. You know, like, who the fuck cares? You're trying to set up an emotional payoff moment, and you're trying to be clever about it. Well, you're being way too ham-fisted about it. So I think if you set that... This is where I'd put that scene with them looking up at the stars, and it's like a flashback. They do that. Strongest stars have hearts of Kyber. Cut to black, uh, Jetta. Like, that's the title. Jetta. Name of the episode. Um and it's part one. Mm-hmm. And then it's that scene where they're in the ship and they go, Jetta, at least what's left of it. And they land and they meet Chirut or whatever. And maybe like towards the end of the episode where we talked about Cassian being kidnapped by the sister and the sister says, I'm turning you over to Saw because you killed my brother. You mm-hmm. shot him in the back. The Chirut scene would happen at the towards the end of that episode after we spent some time in Jetta, And he would say, the strongest stars have hearts yeah. of Kyber. And then 
they get black bagged or they go to the uh, gin. The canteen yeah. is over this way. Okay. And then they go in and that whole kidnapping scene happens that we proposed. Uh, and then we're like, Oh, that's interesting. We heard that at the beginning of the episode. We heard it at the end of the episode. Now, when we get to the finale and we hear those coordinates or we understand, you know, Kyber heart is the name of the file, whatever. It's just way more subtle and it's way more interesting. And it gives the audience more credit for paying attention to like the little things that, that people said, not to mention that before they go into battle, she like in the actual movie, she pulls out the Kyber crystal around her neck. She mm-hmm. just kind of like holds it to her face and then puts it down. So that's a good audience reminder. Oh yeah. She's got the Kyber thing. So she, that's going to pay off when they get to the file documents or whatever. And it so, would make more sense to name the file after something related to Kyber since that's like related to the actual project. Yeah. Right. Then it the, would to oh, name yeah. it some, some back ass. Let's just like, who the fuck is stardust? I do think of, I think of it as very funny when I picture Imperial elites, like reading that code. Exactly. And then they're just like, so that's really sadistic Galen. I really like it. It's like, we destroy a star and then the dust is like floating through space. Very evil. I like it. Galen. I very much like this code name, you know, but he's thinking of it as like, that's what I call my daughter. (laughs) 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 Oh, I got a different connotation from uh, the whole death star thing. Um, also real quickly, uh, never would we shit on star Wars lore, but this time while we were watching, it did make me laugh when he said, uh, they're building machine, the death star. There is no better name. And I thought there's probably a better name. It's not a very <laughs> creative name. You could have come up that with that delivery better. was like the first, I think this is the first time I was like, that is such a, they made these actors say some silly Mads lines. Mads Mikkelsen delivers that whole hologram monologue. Like he like they've made him run it 50 times he like is he's, so tired he's saying it at gunpoint at this yeah point. he's uh, he is the opposite of ken watanabe he hasn't eaten in three days ken watanabe will say like your pikachu has chosen you with like real gravitas <laughs> but mads mickelson can't be bothered to talk about exhaust ports <laughs> on the death star he's like i need to go meet with hideo kojima i don't have time for this um all right, so that's one little thing. I think they, they should have set that up. Uh, this is just a note. I like the fracturing in the rebellion. That's what I think this whole idea should have been based upon. That like Saw's rebels are like the Taliban or the Viet Cong, and the other re- rebels. There's like Mon Mothma who's trying to bring back the old republic, you know, and like they're just rebelling to try to give freedom. And then there's the general who Cassian orders to, who's more of a war hawk. Um, and, uh, he's like, forget what they said, assassinate Galen or whatever. And then at the end of the movie, when they're all arguing around the table and they need to come to a consensus, um, they can't. And I like that fracturing leading into, um, all of the saboteurs and the spies and Cassian and these people going rogue and just being like, no, the best people are the people who are in it to dismantle injustice and fascism you know like it doesn't they don't Mm -hmm. have any other politics their interest is they see an injustice and they're going to risk their lives to take care of it um it has a little bit of tones of vigilante justice but i like the idea and then ultimately the fleet joins in because it's the right thing to do and that kind of deal um so i was just saying we in the cassian episodes in the longer episodes we should flesh out some of those saboteurs i'd like to know who they were Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a whole squad of people with like weird beards, fucked up noses and stuff. I'm just like, I want to know what's going on with these guys. Uh, let's see. Okay. Yeah. I got two big ones that I would fix about the ending. Okay. Okay. Let me get a drink of whiskey here out of this. Clink. Clink with me. Gentle. Clink. 
Mmm. Nondescript whiskey. Um. So. Back to Jetta. Uh. <laughs> Shirut says. Uh. I. I was. The force protects me. And Baze says. I protected you. When he fights all the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. And whatever like that. I think that's a totally dropped ball. In this movie. And I think I've mentioned it before, but in this climax is where I would bring it together in a very tragic way. I mean, not very tragic as in like, you know, super bummer, but mm-hmm. let me know what you think of this. So, that line engulfs their relationship of Chirut still follows the way of the Jedi and the Force and, and the Guardians, and Baze has forgotten it, and he's just blasting people away. But he can't help but follow Chirut, just like when they're on uh, Idu, and Chirut's like, I'm going to follow Jin, her path is clear. And uh, Baze is like, oh, I have to go with him, you know, like because i got to protect him. <clears throat> they're at the end of the movie. they got to flip the master switch. Chirut goes out, right? Just like he does in the movie. And he's saying, I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me. I'm one with the Force. I know we, neither of us really like that line. So maybe we switch it up with something else. Um, maybe just, I'm I one I don't with mind the, the line. I just, it bugs me that like, that's the only line they let him have. For yeah, most right. It's, of the- uh, it's just, it literally, it's, it's it really does get old. I mean, he just says it so much. He repeats it, which is the thing, but it's so repetitive uh, throughout the movie that it starts to wear on you. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Um, no Has offense. He ever Donnie played Yen. a character like that before that does that? Donnie Yen, who yeah. like repeats stuff. Yeah. No, I don't think so. He's played a guy who beats a shit out of people, which is awesome. I mean, that's um, that's what a Donnie Yen does. It's true. I love Donnie Yen. I've said it many times. So he walks out. He's Bam, doing his whole mantra thing. Movie. He we shoot it so that he thinks he's being protected by the force, but it's Bay's shooting guys who are barely shooting. Maybe we show a couple like blaster bolts just go by his head, you know, uh, off the side. So maybe it's not all bays and we leave Wait, some... like, like imply that they might be deflected by the force. Just randomly not hitting him. I mean like, and then you get to determine okay. is, is he lucky or is he, are those missing him because the force is protecting him. We don't show a force field. We don't show him using any powers or anything. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he walks forward. He's completely, he's, you know, motto uh, over and over again, his mantra. Baze is coming up behind him. He's shooting a guy. He sees somebody about to shoot him in the side of the fucking head. He blows, Baze blows him away. And he's the whole time he's like, Chirot, come back, you know, whatever. He's shooting, he's shooting, he's shooting. And then comes a moment where he can't, he has to take the bullet, you know, or he, he shoots him. He shoots the guy, but then another guy gets base. And as he goes down, he shoots that guy. Right. So Shirut goes up, uh, to the master switch. And in his head, he's been protected by the force. Baze does his final thing of providing cover so that Shirut can flip the switch and finishes his, tragic story and that arc, he right. his arc he protected him unto death he he gave his life to protect Chirut Chirut then gets to flip the switch and then blammo Chirut gets shot with something in my version uh and he dies so he doesn't get protected by the force forever maybe he gets protected but the the audience's interpretation could be that he got protected by the force long enough to uh to 
complete his task, but maybe there was no force and he didn't have any protection from him and he gets shot down. So then Baze gets his arc completed. Chiru gets his arc completed. Both of them die where they started. Where like, I know that doesn't sound like a complete arc, but Chiru dies believing he was protected by the force in order to complete the task to save everybody. Baze dies protecting Chiru, which is his mission in life. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the movie, Bodhi does the transmission, then he dies. Chiru flips the switch, then he dies. Uh, K2 gets them the, the transmit, tells them they can transmit through the tower, then he dies. Uh, Baze just dies in a blaze of glory. Like mm -hmm. he doesn't walk out when Chirut's out there because they want to imply that the force does protect Chirut. So Baze is like still trapped by the door, like the hangar door or whatever, the bunker door. Um, and then only when Chirut gets hit, he runs out and he holds him and he talks to him for a while. And then he gets up and he just starts mowing down death troopers until one blows him up with a grenade, which is, you know, sad as the movie frames it. But he doesn't really get to do... He didn't protect him. He said, like, he adopted his mantra where he starts saying, I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me. But he dies afterwards. It's not like he gets to go on spreading the message, having regained his faith or anything, like Mel Gibson at the end of Signs, not to compare this to Signs, which is not arguably not a very good movie, but um, I like it. But, uh, yeah, you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now Baze gets to, in my version do this whole protection thing and Chirut gets his force thing and they both get to accomplish something in that without Baze, Chirut, in this version, Chirut never would have been able to flip the switch. Whereas in the movie version, he could do it because the force and magic. But nobody else gets to use the force in the movie, so I don't think it's very fair. Also in a show format, um, or you know, like in the miniseries format, you can have like that last, the second to last episode where everybody is kind of like essentially sort of like in Game of Thrones where it was leading right. up to the battle where people were kind of saying goodbye to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we got a little of in We got a little bit of in the movie, but they just didn't have a lot of time for it. So Baze and Chirut could actually have a satisfying like last conversation with each other before all this. Yeah, like yeah. a lot like they could actually like have that last night with the you know with each other to kind of like chat or you yeah. know just give us more of their brotherhood because I was like I was really geeked for the idea like the idea of them when we first were introduced to them I was like yeah. I like these two they are a a cool idea and I don't know if I'd said it before but I'll say it now just in case um, I have a problem ever since I first saw this movie in theaters I loved Donnie Yen. I loved uh, the idea of Baze. I questioned every single second. I know it's a dumb thing to question because I'm sure it drives people crazy. But why are these two assholes along for the ride? Like, they, didn't, they don't confess that they're joining the rebellion or that they previously were in the rebellion or that they have any ties to it. They're just following it. Well, Chiru is How many times have we it. watched this movie? We still haven't seen why they're... Probably eight. Well, the the explanation, I think, is Chirut's following it because it's like destiny, right? Baze is following it because Chirut's there. But like they not neither of them they get to a point, it's after Edu, where I get why they leave Jeddah together. The planet's exploding, they need a ride out of there. And they've been helpful so far, so yeah, hop on the ship. They go to Edu immediately. Uh, which I feel like they could have dropped them off, but they go to Edu immediately, say there's no time to waste. Um, 
cool. Then they end up on Yavin 4, uh, and they do the whole rebel thing, oh, we gotta go to Scarif, that kind of shit. At that point, it feels like Chirrut and Baze need to talk about why they're staying and why they're going to throw themselves into such a dangerous situation again, but they don't. Watch the movie again. They're just like, all right, where are we going? As if, like, they're just along for the ride no matter what. Like, they've been here for seven seasons and they're best friends and, like, where else would they be, you know? It's like, uh, they don't even have a line about, they have a line about, it's is it all gone? Yeah, it's all gone. But they don't have, like, a, we have no reason to go back, we're going to join your cause, you know? Like, anyone who does that to the temple deserves to be stood up against. They don't have anything like that. They're just sort of like, all right, I guess... I don't know, fuck it. We'll be with these guys now. By the way, a longer playing time would have also allowed for there to be a more build-up to Baze calling Jin his little sister. Yeah, he like, has like a throwaway, well, and it, and we'll it, do it, this it's, little It looked so stupid to us every time we watched it, but tonight when yeah. we were watching it, I was like, I... I see what the problem is. It's because we didn't get any build up to it. It seems because, like there was a deleted scene. Because his delivery he's... and her reception of it, like we we neither right. of us really enjoyed her acting in this. No, but her reception of it, I was like, that is a believable exchange. There is a lot about the last section of the movie where I was like, the acting is not the problem. It's just that yeah. the 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 there's just not enough structure underneath it to hold it. I agree. I think a little bit of acting is the problem, but I think it's that's just, probably more either in the dialogue well, and the I, directing. And I try to remember know, that, but, that there is not explicitly good acting in the prequels and there are places no. where there's shitty acting in our beloved sequels. Yeah, like, and there's not great dialogue in the originals. Yeah, I mean, so like, like those three, uh, Hamill... <laughs> so like, you know they all had complaints about the dialogue they're like george come on and and uh <laughs> it's it's like in op- like everybody talks about how um shit what's her name who played padme oh um too drunk sorry you know natalie portman natalie portman was <laughs> held captive by like a shitty script and oh shitty she direction. was done so dirty like She's such a good actress she loves star wars she's got <laughs> the shittiest direction and the worst lines anyway all that to say there i'm i'm not gonna say that there was not bad acting in this movie because you and i have have spent right. plenty of time bitching about it. i'm just saying and we're not good actors yeah and we're not good <laughs> actors nor am i a producer a writer or director no. so i really should not be making this series and nobody should be listening to it however yeah, having right. said that um enough of that caveat we're important. <laughs> Having said all that, she, they were like, her her acting was not what was bothering me at the end of that. And so the scene that usually bothers me where, where they're saying goodbye and she's and she's like, he's like, goodbye, little sister. And I'm right. like, why the fuck are you saying Who that? Who says that? When what, did yeah. you say that before? What, like, what scene did they have to, like, have they ever actually, have they talked to each other? <laughs> I don't think they ever had a conversation together. But and and I agree. It feels like there's deleted scenes. And yet again, I feel like this exact Hold on, running through the whole movie. This real exact quick, I've thing got it right here that we're go- that we're living through, where like I feel like it's people. People are just gonna be listening to us, or at least me. You know, like when people are dying and they don't know they're dying, and so they are like, "Why is my body behaving this way?" And people say, like, "Because your because your guts are in your hand and you're bleeding out, and you're in your in your body's just like I got to get up and make toast." Or no, something. I don't know that. What is, like, this, like, what is this question you're asking me? I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I feel like this is what we look like when we sit and spend twelve plus hours to try to like talk about a, a thing that figure we figure out why that, a bad movie's bad. Not. 
why bad movies are bad. Why this movie? Oh. Like we're sitting here picking over and and we're like, my brain, I can't process why I don't like this. So I'm going to keep on, but I can't move on from it. I'm just dying. See, we've had this conversation. We don't need to get into it, but we've had this conversation before where like that drives you crazy. It's what I live off right, of. But I survive I also, off of like, why is this happening? But I think that we wouldn't do <laughs> it as much as we do if it was, if there were not good bones to it because it's, it's Star oh, Wars. Oh, for sure, for sure. So like the Star Wars is here in this movie. I think a big problem that you and I have had with it is it feels like for us the least Star Warsy of the Star Wars films. It's hard it's to very, find Star Wars yeah, in it. Absolutely. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go okay, on so let me saying. finish what I was saying about Chirrut. Because <laughs> I got a lot more to say about Chirrut. And you kind of you kind of interrupted me there. Uh, I'm so sorry for interrupting you and uh, diverting. My last little bit on Chirrut was that uh, the reason that they would be there is that Chirrut would describe himself as having some kind of destiny. Some sort of reason that the Force draws them to these people and that he needs to remain with them. And Baze isn't going to leave him for that reason. It's essentially the same reason in the movie, except I swear, go watch the movie. They don't talk about it. They just sort of along for the ride as soon as they get introduced. So that's the idea. At the end, when Baze sacrifices himself for him in this TV show and Chirrut flips the switch, you can kind of think, oh, well, that's the destiny that Chirrut was talking about. Or you can be a Baze a Bayes guy or gal and be like, no, he made it because Bayes covered his ass the whole time. He didn't use the force. He didn't, he wasn't covered by the force. It was just dumb luck and the protection of somebody that really loved him, you know, and, uh, and go that angle. Um, there's another major, major flaw with the movie to me. What's that? Okay. Allow me to describe their plan to you. <clears throat> I think we might have ranted about this in maybe like the first episode. There's nothing about this movie we haven't ranted about at this point. I know, I'm sorry. Um, they are going to fly down to the planet Scarif. They're going to get the plans, they're going to get back in Bodhi's ship, and they're going to fly away with the plans. Okay. They fly down to the planet, they're going to get the plans. They figure out that they're on there, they close the shield gate. Oh shit, we're trapped. Now we know, essentially, as audience members, these guys aren't getting out of here. Mm -hmm. the, they're going to fit. But we could transfer the data through the giant uh, radio uh, antenna on the top of the ship to the fleet if the fleet were there, right? I follow. Okay. Unfortunately, K2 says, the data files are too big. I don't know how to illustrate the expression that just was on uh, your face. He literally says the problem is the data files are too big. Oh, no. <laughs> what are they, 200 megabytes? Like, oh, God, what are we going to do? <laughs> so the, re the problem is they're too big, so they won't go through the shield gate. So we need to destroy the shield gate, and then the plans can get through. So... If you're like me, astute listener, you've realized that their plan is the same plan. If the shield gate is down, then they should get back in a ship and fly away. The problem is that they're going to die on this planet. We know from watching the movie and then watching it on repeat eight times is that 
Bodhi's ship explodes, so they're not going to make it off. But if the characters found that out by the time they got to Bodhi's ship, they wouldn't know that they need to send the plans through antennas, so they would have to climb all the way back up, and that doesn't work for us screenwriters. So they're going to transfer the plans, even though the shield gate is down, to the fleet, and then they're going to die on the planet, and the fleet's going to get away. All right. There are e- a lot of moving parts you're asking me to keep up There's with. There's an here. easy fix for this. Here's the, here's the new rewrite. They go down. Their plan is to get in the ship and leave. But when they go down, the shield gate gets closed. Gladly, or happily, they fig- figure out they can send the data through the shield gate, but the fleet needs to survive in the space battle long enough for them to transfer the data files, which, as we see through the events of the climax, is very difficult. They were just going to send it, then they had to pull it, then the power went out, they had to climb up to the thing. So the whole time, the fleet should be saying, hold on, we've got to hold out, they're going to transfer the plans. Oh, because Bodhi gets that transmission. He's like, we've got the plans, we're going to send them to you, you just need to hold out longer. And so now we've got this... slowly picking off the the air fighters. Yeah, we've got this space battle. So you don't have to sacrifice the awesome space battle with the the Star Destroyers and whatever. You can get the spaceships, the X-Wings and stuff, through the shield gate before it closes so you can have all the AT-AT stuff. It would just be an acknowledgement of what we all already know because none of these characters are in the next movie. That when they land on Scarif, anybody who's in the vicinity of Scarif, anybody who would end up underneath that shield gate is going to die by the end of this movie. I think that's something way more interesting to resonate with as the battle goes on. That while these people are fighting to hold them off so the Jin can get to the thing so that they can send the plans and the fleet is holding off so that they can receive the plans but the Star Destroyers are wrecking them. All that stuff is people putting their lives on the line to achieve this goal. And everybody who's underneath the shield gate is already dead, but they're still fighting. Now, the way you're saying that, do you mean that everybody uh, knows that they are already dead on their way down? I don't know if everybody would be aware that the shield gate's not going to get open again, but everybody who... I don't know if I follow what your issue with the original, or what what the glaring logical issue was with the original plot. Okay, so imagine Bodhi doesn't, his ship doesn't explode. Right? Imagine that. Okay. The original plan was to get back in the ship and fly away. So Jin and Cassian don't know that Bodhi's ship has exploded. They don't find that out until they're on the beach about to die. So everything that they do is unimportant because their plan was to hook that thing to the back of Jin's belt, Mm -hmm. which she does, then get back down to the plane and fly out of there. Sorry, I'm calling it a plane. Ship and fly out of there. Mm Mm-hmm. They don't do that because they're going to send the plans through the antenna, but there's no reason to do that because they don't know that it won't go through the shield. Do you do you know what I mean? I don't. So the plan should be, we're going to do what we were going to do, except the shield gate's closed, so now we need to blow it up. <laughs> like, it's not about getting to an antenna. It's not about sending the plans to the fleet. It's not about any of that. It's about, hey, K2... Reroute the power to the backup power supplies to overload the generators to blow that fucking shield gate up so we can get the fuck out of here and we all get to live to fight another day. 
That should be their plan. Instead, they follow the logic of we are all going to die, even though the characters shouldn't know they're going to die. Their plan only makes sense to me if they acquiesce themselves to being dead mm-hmm. and therefore put all of their effort into transferring the plans to the fleet outside of the shield gate so that they can escape. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I'm very high. <laughs> and I need- <laughs> Let me run through this one more time. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Okay. That's what we should do. <laughs> it's like, we could email them. Yeah, if we blow up the shield gate. Oh, well, fuck it. If we're going to blow up the shield gate, let's just okay. get back in the ship okay. and fly I'm back away. back on board. And somehow, okay. so something- instead, they, in the movie, say, we'll blow up the shield gate, we'll email the plans. This is all before they know there's no ship to fly them out of there. Without knowing that Bodhi is dead and there's no escape and any of that shit, they decide that they are dead. As if blowing up the shield gate causes a chain reaction that blows up the planet. You know what I mean? So do you feel like there's any chance that the reason that this that this comes across this way is because of yet again just weird cutting or missing footage that explains why they know this? Or do you think that they're... That this that their actual intent was for that to be what came across the entire. I time. think it was. I described this while we were watching it this last time as uh, it's Monday morning and I've got to finish this fucking Star Wars report. Like that's how the movie feels to me. Is that we gotta, is what a you know lot what? of it feels like? Like we, the reason why that that whole domino of people dying is just like we just right. they all got to die. It's got to be tragic. It's got to be on the screen. So we're just gonna get it over with. There's nothing know. giant to explode, and there's a we want spaceships fighting, and so they could transfer them digitally, but they'd have to get rid of the shield gate so that people could like get the plans and then escape. Or whatever, but nobody, nobody, nobody that ends up on Scarif after the gates closed ends up flying out once the gates destroyed. Everybody's already dead in the eyes of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, we don't see any X-wings like, oh, we made it, we're free. You know, whatever. We don't see any like Imperial fucking escape pods blast through or whatever. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. That's on Scarif afterwards. So there's no reason to do it. Other than, A, we need a big explosion, and B, uh, we want people to think they could escape, even though some scenes later, Bodhi's ship will explode, and so the audience can extrapolate that they don't, they might not know they're going to die, but we know they're going to die. I'm just saying, put that a little earlier. Say that they all know they're going to die but they're going to risk their lives to send the plans anyway. Yeah. Through the shield gate, which is like a fucking bubble over a dome over their their existence. They're going to die. Um but they can save the rebellion if they can transfer this data. So that's what they're fighting so hard to do. And that's why they're comfortable dying on the beach cuz they knew they'd die anyway. Um and I think that's something really interesting to allow the audience to resonate with. During the entire climax, they're like, holy shit, these people are fighting AT-ATs and shooting down ships and climbing up fucking towers. And they they know they're 
personally doomed. But they're going to get those plans out, and it's going to mean everything to the rebellion. Um, I think that's really good. As I'm watching the movie, the way they've written it just feels like stupid. It's just like, this is fucking stupid. It's just like that saw line. All you have to do is say, instead of saying, I will run no longer, say, I won't make it. My legs can't run anymore yeah, or whatever. I can like, run no longer. I can run no longer of gesture to his legs. We talked about it before. It's just like, it's just lazy. It's like shit that you want to have in a movie, but doesn't make any sense. Or like the entire name of the fucking movie, Rogue One. The scene where the movie's title comes from is them about to take off and the... <laughs> The rebellion, like, traffic controller says, what's your designation? And they're like, we've got to go. And he's like, uh. And then Talk she goes, about Monday morning vibes. Yeah, My gosh. She goes, say something. And he goes, Rogue One. That's and immediately. Literally what, that's what the, what the meeting was. And they're like, we got to name this. We got to name this fucking movie. Not even we got to name this fucking movie. We already named this fucking movie. We need to justify the name for this Put fucking it in movie. There we somewhere. already cut right. out. You know, the actual plot that, that says why that matters. So yeah. we're just going to. And then he says, Rogue One. Immediately, the dude's like, that's not, there's no such thing as Rogue One. And they take off. And I'm like, hey, time is of the essence. We didn't need to have this conversation. You could just take it off. And uh, follow up later, I was just m- noting to you, the dude's list, one like rebellion dude's listening on some headphones, runs up to Mon Mothma, is like, there's an Imperial, uh, we've in- intercepted some Imperial information. There's fighting on Scarif, and that's why they go. So guess what? That traffic controller didn't tell jack shit anybody about Rogue One, a ship that doesn't exist, taking off. He said, fuck that, I'm leaving. It's it's five o'clock and I'm going home. I'm not telling anybody about this shit. Like, who was that guy? I didn't even notice it this first seven times. The eighth time, I'm like, who was that guy? <laughs> Why didn't he tell anybody? Did you ever read those I Spy books when you were a kid? Yeah. That were like, you just go, Oh, yeah. You're <laughs> just like, oh. It's like every there's time. There's a red shoe in this picture. I didn't even yeah, see it. Yeah, every time you feel like we watch this movie, just something new. It's Seriously. Like, oh, my God. Anyway, all right. So, time. sorry. Oh, here's some others. Okay, yeah, so speaking on... of those, here's some other ones of those. When Jin gets up to the satellite dish, she's going to send the plans, but it says realign dish. And I just thought to myself, what, when was the dish unaligned? <laughs> you know, like, what do you mean realigned? And I thought... All you have to do is in one of those space fights with the uh, the TIE fighter and the X-Wings or whatever, just a bunch of them crash, a bunch of them blow up, have one of them hit the tower or something, make it, like, knock it out, and then have, like, a little electrical, you know, and it's there. So then you get the tension of, like, oh, shit, she's got to go readjust the satellite. That's just a little something That I was add. another one for me where that wouldn't even have occurred to me. That just makes me think of, like... I don't know, whenever you're playing a video game and you're powering something up and it's just like, now you got to go to this part of the thing. It's just part right. of... Right. A part, part of how the is technology. missing from this machine that you need to collect before you... Would, I get it. It just feels like, I don't know, it would have added to the tension earlier when it's like you know they're going they up to the satellite. The time for. Yeah, they're like, ah, fuck it. She's going to have to leave the main base because we want her on a bridge that's about to fall so the Krennic can come out. It's very dramatic the way that you say it. I don't think they understand what, like they don't know what tension is. They're not very good at it because as soon as the movie starts, you know that everybody's going to achieve what they need to achieve. Um, uh, I want to assume they know what tension is. I just know that it wasn't their priority. 
Uh, I guess that that could be true. That could be true. I just think they think they're building tension, but I could be wrong. <coughs> Uh, the other is a complete joke observation, but I wanted to say it because it was very funny to me. Um, <laughs> it never occurred to me that when they blow up Scarif, uh, that's their facility. So Tarkin isn't just blowing up like Krennic and a bunch of failed stormtroopers. By the way, the stormtroopers that are alive are fighting valiantly. Like, how dare you blow all those up? But also, they listed like seven top secret projects uh, that they were like Pax Ultima, Darksabers, shit like that. And Moff Tarkin just blew all that up with the Death Star that he stole from Krennic. Uh, who is not in charge of Grand Moff Tarkin? They could be like, hey, asshole, we had like 71 secret plans <laughs> that you just blew up the only data server that had all of them on, and he'll be like, you may file when ready. Like, okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. Don't point that at my house, please. It's like, what a maniac this movie paints him out to be. I agree with you. Like, <laughs> I, like, when you- We put billions of space bucks into that, <laughs> into that data stream. How dare you? Scarif was ours. This time through, it could be Stockholm Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I'm just, sure and I'm just like working hard to come up with ways to- to uh, like reconcile with how much time I've wasted on this this movie. Yeah. Um. But like, I definitely saw how ridiculous that was. I was like, "Yep, that's a good point." But I feel like what it was supposed to, or what like the the feeling I was supposed to glean from it was how important the Death Star was. Yeah. It's literally like sure. it is their. That it's a masterpiece. It, it's it is their their you know ace in the hole or whatever. It's, yeah, their hydrogen. This bomb, is their... this is what everything culminates in. Mm. Once they have planet killing power, who gives a fuck about all those other research? Who gives projects? a fuck? Like like <laughs> nothing. No, like this is this is the thing that is bigger than the force. But anyway, like for me, I did not. I know like you were having one experience while you were watching that. For me. On the other end of it, I was just like, "Yeah, they are blowing up everything that matters to them." Yeah, because yeah, the I Death see Star. That. Not only does the Death Star matter the most, but the Death Star has made everything else irrelevant. It just and- seems impractical to me. <laughs> you could have just sent they they shit out like eighty Tie Fighters at one point, and they still have Star Destroyers that like Vader just arrived on. Like, and there's nobody left on Scarif. Like. Everybody's dead. There's like oh, sure. eight X-wings that are still flying around. I'm sh- I'm sure you didn't need to Death Star the planet, <laughs> Tarkin. Like, can you please calm down with that itchy trigger finger? He's heading to Alderaan right now to blow up a planet with no weapons. He's heading there. He's just, he's on his way to Alderaan just, just to blow up on his broomstick to blow up a planet that has no literally no defenses at all. Like he's working his way up the ladder, just blowing up an orphanage for fun. You know, like <laughs> helpless children. I don't know what his uh, what his scheme is, you know. Like we've talked at length about how the movie does Tarkin dirty as a character, but I just thought it was so funny this go around. They're like, this dude's fucking out of his mind. <laughs> Take the keys away from him. He is <laughs> senile. Yeah. Did so, yeah, you? Did my... we already talk about how he was wearing slippers? On no, I don't think we mentioned that in the last episode. You should. You should. 
elaborate on that um so peter the cushing. actor yeah peter cushing bless his soul um he, he has big had really big feet yeah, and so they feet. they didn't have appropriate sized shoes for him so i right. think they were like the boots were too tight the, like, yeah they were Nazi super boots. uncomfortable so like he was delivering these really stern lines and he was like he was gonna have to be barefoot and he couldn't be barefoot because right. be, you know cold or whatever so he had these big fluffy slippers that he'd wear yeah, like house slippers like little house slippers that he'd wear well like you know Vader, release him. Right. You know. So you're watching the whole movie, and you'll you can now realize that they never show a full shot of of uh, Peter Cushing. He's always sitting at a table, or he's standing towering above uh, Carrie Fisher. So you never see. I his just feet. imagine he's got like a <laughs> mug of coffee in his hand or whatever. I picture like below his uniform, his robe is sticking out. And he's yeah. just like got pajama pants he's on. He's an old man. He needs his oh, bedtime. Like they got him out of bed point. to like. That's why he's blown and shit up is he's just cranky yeah. like get Su- off my lawn <laughs> i'll say super cranky jeez <laughs> anyway but yeah that's uh i know that that wasn't a grand explanation of how now this is the climax that like is clegane bowl and like something you never would have expected but i i think you know as we said earlier the climax is pretty good i would just change some things one thing i thought of and i don't want to half-ass this but I'll throw it out there for somebody smarter than me um, to rewrite this show that she sends the plans at the end. And then Cassian's like, I hope they got them. And she says, someone's out there. I would like one of the ships that re- or the ship that receives that communication to be piloted by a character we set up earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of somebody that's in the main cast that wouldn't be on Scarif, but amongst those saboteurs or some, you know, kind of like a plucky, uh, person that held out long enough to get the plans and she's just like someone's out there and we the audience get to know oh it was it was her you know it was him that got the plans like they stuck it out I'm picturing Carl Urban I don't know why but I'm <laughs> like an who's Aomer. Carl Urban? Aomer oh wow you know somebody who's like sticking it out and then he gets the plans he's like let's get out of here and you're like yeah he did it you know rather than uh, knock off Admiral Akbar, who you know does his job well. Um, other than that, I don't have too many complaints. Probably would have pasted it a little different, um, changed some shit up like we had talked about. And uh, and that's a wrap. I don't, man, I don't know if I would have had the wherewithal to write that Darth Vader scene, so I got to give it up there. Um, yeah, that I probably the- would have just been like, yeah, and then the movie's over. <laughs> but that, they put in that Vader scene, they were right to do it. Uh, and that is the... And that's how the well, show Carrie ends. Fisher did not Carrie Fisher at the end of it. Yeah, it'd just be a shot of her from behind. You know, I would even honestly like I was not as bothered by I didn't like it, but I could see myself being like if they'd given me a really good show and then they just CG'd Carrie Fisher in at the end of sure. it. I could just be like, hey, I miss Carrie Fisher. And that does kind of look like her. Well, you know, I've got thoughts on what you just said, but we'd have to save it for a Mandalorian podcast. Oh, <laughs> don't, don't, don't rank with me right now. Uh, yeah. Okay, so that's that. Uh, any, what are the final thoughts on Rogue One? What are the last things we have to say about this? This is, this is the last time we're going to talk about this movie. Well, that's not true. We're just going to keep talking about it. But this is the last time we have to record an episode of these. Last time we have to watch it. 
What do you want to leave people with? It's still Star Wars. I mean, mm. I... Interesting, yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, and yeah. It was something that we... I didn't like it when it came out. Um, I still probably will not watch it again. I or I will watch it again at some point. Like like I said, after Cass, uh, mm-hmm. Cassian's show, what's it called again? Andor. Andor Just comes out name. maybe. Or, you know... In another five years or something, who knows? I'll I'll watch it again and see how I feel about it. But at the time that it came out, we like we really hadn't gotten a movie like it. Mm, yeah, and it is something that we wanted. Like the the idea of that when it came out, like the idea right. of like you can do something other than the main trilogy. You can try to write more like different right. kinds of stuff, Star Wars, but different. You yeah, know? Yeah. I'm glad we got it. I like I'm glad that mm. somebody tried to do it. And I obviously like I wouldn't I wouldn't have put this much time into it if it if it wasn't Star Wars. Yeah. You know, I'm and I admire Star Wars for being the property like we're I have no interest in doing an Avengers uh re, uh rewrite uh, no. podcast. No. Despite how how much the end of the Avengers arc turned me off of DC movies or like Marvel. the main Mar- or Marvel movie. <laughs> it's late. It's late. It's very <laughs> I late. I forgive you. I forgive you. Um, but somehow Star Wars like we can't like even, it, it, when people hate Star Wars they a Star Wars movie they watch it 16 times. Like they go back yeah. to movie yeah, theaters. Episode one came out and people were so like confused by it that they had to pay for tickets to go back and watch it again we you know like <laughs> let me see if i like this i, I know I, it's just I like i it's hate like, it <laughs> it's like taking a bite of something and being like this does not taste right but it should taste right i was expecting it to taste so you just keep eating it to try to figure out what's wrong like it can't be a I shit just, sandwich i love that star wars has that power over us or it has that property that makes us keep going back to it yeah like right. it made us do this thing there's nothing else that we consume that I care enough about to spend this much time talking about it and like, and to still do it in such a conflicted way where I keep on doubling back over and saying, am I wrong? Is there something I'm missing? Like, please. Which is how this all started. We just felt crazy because everybody was like, this movie's awesome. Yeah. What? And I don't like, did I fall asleep? Did I come from an alternate reality? Where does it rank for you amongst the worst star Wars things? I would watch this before I would watch The Rise of Skywalker again. Yeah, I think I agree. Rise of Skywalker is the worst thing that Star Wars has ever produced, including the holiday special. Yeah, it's... I would watch the holiday special five... People don't realize how boring the holiday special is. Like, they think of it as like, oh man, that's probably Star really bad. Whip, Star Whip, yeah. Star Let's whip, get high and watch the holiday special. It'd be a, a blast. Yeah. Dude, it's so fucking boring and so fucking long. I would watch that three times for every time I have to watch The Rise of Skywalker. But this is still the second worst Star Wars product, short of like really, you know, off brand stuff. Like now we've seen almost all of Clone Wars. I haven't seen Rebels, but like those, that shit's good. And that's for children. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? There's probably some Star, like, I don't know if there's like a Muppet Babies equivalent of Star Wars. There There is a Star Wars episode of Muppet Babies. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of Muppet Babies episodes based around Star Wars, um, 
But you know what I mean? There's probably some Star Wars stuff out there, video games, yeah. old PC games, whatever, that are lame or or bad or whatever. But as far as I'm concerned, Rise of Skywalker, which we'll talk about at some point, and like a really, I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Not in this level of depth. It doesn't have it. It doesn't deserve it. But it's bad in every single way that it can be bad. So much so that it's almost like the room, like it's so shitty. It's so unbelievably shitty. But this movie, every time I watch it, it's that beautiful sweet spot for someone like me that I think drives someone like you crazy, which is it's right on the border of like, complaining about some stuff and like arguing about how it could be better and being legitimately mad like this viewing there were multiple times you can attest to where i was just like this is stupid this fucking sucks like when yeah, a character were, would say something and i was just like real mad blows. and uh that's a re- i really still think i used to say attack of the clones was the worst star wars movie and it was the one I never ever wanted to watch. I'd watch Phantom Menace. I'd watch Revenge of the Sith. Whatever. Um, Attack of the Clones is way above those two, and still Rogue One is below it because Attack of the Clones. It, I, I I'll never be able to make an argument with somebody legitimately that it's a better film than Rogue One. It's just that I can enjoy it. It's more Star Warsy to me. It's more charming to me and as stupid as it is something about george lucas's bad dialogue still has earnestness to it this feels so hollywood factory shit out sweat the exposition out of your mouth make the characters exactly who you expect them to be here's the act structure oh there's not enough explosions guys we gotta get this done we're under budget edit it for disney because disney says it's too dark like it just feels corporate and trying not to be corporate. I just I said to you, on one hand of the spectrum, there's The Mandalorian, which is made by somebody who really, really loves Star Wars properties and does a really great job making a new universe without touching the old stuff, like really getting into it, right? Then on the other hand, there's Spaceballs, which I've always described as a parody of Star Wars by someone who's never seen it. It just seems like it's making fun of it for being nerdy and stupid. Like, mm-hmm. they just think the idea of Star Wars is outlandish. Rogue One's in the middle. Feels like somebody who is pretending to have seen Star Wars, but they don't really remember a lot about it, and they mostly just want to make this war movie, but it's completely at odds, and they're having a really tough time putting it together. And then it got so big of a project and so frustrating that they were just like, you know what, just like, fucking finish it. It's got like four writers. It's... It's all over the place. It really, really annoys me. Um, And after this viewing, like I said at the top, it was the first time a Star Wars product left my eyeballs uh, for a multitude of times. And I was like, I don't think I want to see it anymore. And that's even of the Rise of Skywalker. I need to watch at least five more times (laughs) because I could really like hate that movie into the ground. This one. Maybe just because we've seen it so much, I think I'm done. I don't. I don't think I want to see this movie anymore. Like it just sucks. And every time I watch it, we get some distance from it, and we start being like, I mean, you know, it's dumb, but whatever. And we put it on, 
And I'm like, this sucks. This really sucks. I hate this movie. The things that I was not happy about with this movie tonight were consistent with reasons I didn't like it before. Yeah. And a lot definitely. of my loathing, like, it came out, like, I I was, I did not watch the movie quietly. I, I definitely had things mm-hmm. I didn't like about it. I, 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 it could be because we're spending less time on social media, whatever. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I feel bad, um, going into the extreme of saying like the people that made the movie didn't care enough about star Wars as I was watching it more okay. and more. I feel cause like I see a lot of star Wars like, and it's mm. not just, Oh, it shows that people love it. I'm like, I don't know many people that don't know about Star Wars and wouldn't be enthusiastic about wanting to participate in it. Yeah. And Star Wars is such a broad tofu-like substance in that like mm. you can you can subject it you to a to or you can make it do what you want. Right. Um it's just hard for me to imagine that people working on it weren't somehow finding themselves in, in it. Like, I can't imagine yeah, I people working mean. on it without a soul. I can certainly see the Hollywoodness of it. I'm not saying there weren't yeah. people or producers or, or you know, people that ha- that were signing checks that were saying, you have to check these things off. They must be in the movie. Right. And that it doesn't suffer from that. But I'm willing to bet that where a lot of it is personally is exactly why we keep on, why we, like, ended up making... This whole podcast this whole was podcast. just talking about how it needed more time to be spent on it. Yeah. The really the elevator pitch for this podcast is Star Wars like Rogue One should have been longer. Right. That's it. Which is so it's, fucking funny. That was taking this this long to say it. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe not to you guys. It's very funny to me. Like, I feel like this such is such a long movie. I don't know how long this podcast equals out to. I feel like it's like twelve hours or something. I'll let you know. Yeah. It's pro- um, it's an hour and a half to two hours per episode. And we've done this probably. for so I feel like it would this this entire podcast is the elevator pitch we would make to the person stranded in the elevator with oh us. Oh god, and it's so long. Yeah, that we'd was have like to be right, like in there he's the first, like the decision making about Star Wars. You know, yeah, we, we've got them. Like we've got we've Kathleen got, Kennedy's trapped. We've in just an elevator. got them in an elevator, and she's trying to be really polite. And this is like this this. She's like, I moral of the story Wars. is Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, please, please. Uh, listen to this entire podcast don't hire us for <laughs> for star wars tv shows anyway i don't i, I don't know i, I know just, exactly what you're saying i don't i am i'm just saying how i feel when i watch the movie i, I don't yeah. know if they like it or not or whatever it just feels like that to me just like i'm sure mel brooks saw star wars i just it seems to me like he didn't um i, I just like star wars is, is a place where it's one of the one it's the the one thing that has this giant throbbing fandom mm-hmm. where i'm like i don't ever want somebody to ever tell me that just because i don't participate in the fandom the way that other people participate in yes. the fandom that my that my appreciation for star wars isn't legitimate yeah. so i really i'm you everything that you're saying you're completely entitled to and i i get where you're coming oh, from my I'm opinion. Just, yeah and but i just like your opinion about it is valid I just, my end of it, the reason why, like, I'm coming from it, or this time watching, I was like, I just really want to think that everyone that worked on this probably really cared about it. Because that's how I would want to be treated if I were working in connection to a Star Wars project. And I don't know many people, maybe I've just, uh, maybe I'm expecting too much of the people in uh, in my life or whatever. But I think that we all 
collectively just care about Star Wars and would be really stoked if we got to work on it. So yeah. I would. I'd, oh my god! So, so I don't. This this is like the one place where I'd be like, I'm not going to sit and say that they were that they didn't care about it. I I, right. I I will speculate about on that on any other movie that I don't like and want to um and have that opinion about. Like yeah, it's just this one I feel shitty doing it. What do they feed Borgullet? <laughs> That's a good question. Every time I watch the movie, I pick up on something. This time I was like. So it's like sentient, right? They're just like yeah. keeping it hostage? Yeah, so I've been thinking about this and I... Does it live there? I so would Do you like, think it has like a yard that so they let it out you know, into for a little um, bit? Spoiler alert for uh, have a pond? Clone Wars. Um, I guess. When Sidious... Uh, no, when Darth Maul gets rediscovered, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's living at the bottom of like a cave. Yeah, I think everybody and something's like, like in it. feeding things to him. Because he's oh, down there and he's de- de- he's. You think that's Borgullet? I feel like Borgullet. 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 Borgullet to me seems like uh, he seems like they were like, well, we need to have Jabba the Hutt. We well, we need to have something that is reminiscent of both Jabba the Hutt and the uh, the Sarlacc. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So what a marriage. <laughs> Gross. But he's kind of seems like he's supposed to be an otherworldly character that is just like needs is relying on other creatures to exist like do you think he eats the brain matter like he gets some kind of jolt from the not from that pilot so i like i don't i can't imagine the pilot was operating with so much of his brain missing I don't know. Maybe well, maybe, like a Jurassic Park scene where they, they capture Maybe he's like an Borgullet. energy vampire, and he had like he sucks. That's what I'm thinking. He like yeah. sucks the energy out. As yeah, like, and he has to like that would um, he needs to do that. So that's why they, it's like a, a good relationship. Or he but then just, you think they wouldn't have to keep him in a cage. Well, maybe it's not a one to one ratio. Maybe he's kind of like what's the guy that's that's real racist that <laughs> that makes like all the 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 tentacle monster stuff. He made Cthulhu. Um, oh, Lovecraft? Maybe he's supposed to be like... <laughs> he had a racist cat. I don't know if he was racist. Uh, no, the cat was not racist. I don't... That was a joke, everybody. I'm sure he was racist. But, uh... <laughs> well, we don't know about the cat, do we? Well, I guess we don't know. The cat. <laughs> We'd have to ask the cat's opinions. Well, the anyway, cat was a good boy. I'm just, I'm just saying... Uh, I know what you mean. I, I feel like maybe he like he's supposed to be undefinable. The way well, the one, force is should be undefinable, like you know. Borgullet is of the force. Well, Borgullet is. Imagine Qui Gon given that lesson. All right, my head of canon. Borgullet is like of the unknown. He's something that that would had they not blown the planet up, might have existed. For <laughs> just picturing Emperor Palpatine being like introduced to Borgullet and going, "Ew," as <laughs> he looks into the kid. Gross. Also, one of my joke observations was going to be they should change that light bulb in Borgullet's cage. But then I was like, yeah, I see why they don't change that. I have to, like, dodge his gross penile tentacles (laughs) from latching onto your head. So I guess I'll let that get away. Borgullet will know the truth. So, yeah. Yeah, that's Rogue One, a podcast story. Uh, we'll I hope do... that none of you guys made it to the end of this, but if you did, thank you for I being here. I hope you here. all did. I hope you all agree with me by now. I mean, s- seriously. I get rid empty. of your copies of Rogue One. Stop watching that piece of shit. I don't know what I'm going to do after this now. I feel like my hatred was all that was like propelling me forward. Uh, Well, hatred leads to 
talking about Rise of Skywalker. So that's what we're going to do next. I know. Let's just do it in one. Let's do a six and a half hour podcast about Rise of Skywalker. And it won't have any format to it. It's just going to be like, because we could do that. We could spend an entire work day complaining about that. I honestly can't think of a single like sequence of that. I can't. We can't get into it. We can't get into Rise of Skywalker. Guys, thanks for coming. This was. Thanks for coming, guys. Uh, find us online. Guys, and, like there are uh, people listening to this. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for checking it out. Um, we, let us know what you think, and uh, if we need any follow-ups, we'll watch Rogue One again. But yeah, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Uh, I hate sand. Kiss out everyone. I hate Borgullet. His tentacles get stick up his ass. <laughs> All right, we're drunk and we're going. See you guys. Don't everybody thank me at once.